your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. I want to welcome those of you listening to the show for the very first time. You are in for a massive treat today, my friends. Today is going to be a fantastic show as we deliver another episode of quality broadcasting with three amazing guests that I'll dive into that shortly. But if you've not had a chance to look at our uh, website, and I'm going to encourage you to go to the jmamietalkshow.com have a chance to look at all of our content there. Hear some of our prior episodes. You're going to love the program. You're going to be quickly addicted to this show. And those of you that continue to support this program, I want to thank you for listening once again to our show today. Make sure you also visit my regular site, thejmamie.com. There you're going to find more of my books, my vlogs, my blogs, all of the goodness that I'm offering the community for your thrive-minded experience. And I'm excited about what happening for the rest of this month, the rest of this year, as you are partnering with me on this journey. Today is another aspect of the journey as I bring to you three fantastic guests. My first guest is going to be Jason Lynette, a certified hypnotist, an award-winning, best-selling author, a huge speaker on the circuit, teaching how to have hypnotic influence in your business. An incredible story with Jace Lynette. He'll be here shortly. And then we're going to hear from Tommy Sheehan, the CEO and founder of the brand new community-based business-oriented app called Union. We're going to hear that story that is making groundbreaking impact right now in the community. And we're going to hear once again from one of our national sponsors, Dumas Capital Partners. Jack Carney is going to talk to us more about business valuation and the reasons why you need to have that done. So another jam-packed, power-packed show today full of content that's going to help you thrive. But before we dive into our first featured guest coming up shortly, I want to share with you my Thrive thought. You know, every now and then I, I kind of share these thrive thoughts that I have. And many of you have commented that you really appreciate them and I should do more of them. So listening to the feedback, here you go. I want to share with you what I'm thinking about recently as, as it pertains to what's happening, not only in our country today, the instability, inflation, gas prices, all the challenges that people are faced with, not only locally here, uh, nationally in the U.S., but, but obviously globally, there are conflicts that are happening abroad that, that's creating a lot of uncertainty. So the title of my Thrive Talk, my little Thrive Talk, it's really called Troubling Waters, and I think you'll appreciate where I've got the whole message from, because in the Bible, there is a popular account when one of Jesus' disciples, if you are a Bible reader, you'll be familiar with the story. If not, that's okay. You'll understand the message as we continue. But one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, asked Jesus to confirm that it is him walking on the water. In fact, he says to Jesus, Lord, if it is you, then tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus complied. So for the moment, Peter is walking on the water until his eyes come off Jesus. And instead, when that happens, he notices the wind. So there must have been something about that wind (laughs) that shifted Peter's focus off the source of encouragement, the source of power, the source of reliability, and the confidence that he was experiencing when he decided to get off the boat and walk on the water because Jesus had told him, come on. Something must have happened 
that took his eye off the ball and started focusing on the winds that were swirling around him. And so what happened, for many of you who know the story, immediately he became afraid, panicked, and he began to sink. You know, what I find so interesting is how often this same scenario happens to all of us, especially when the winds of trouble appear in our lives. We're quick. We're very quick to lose sight of what happens, uh, what matters, our goals, our dreams, our game plan, our winning routines and habits, even our focus. It just goes out the window when we begin to focus on those troubling winds that appear in our lives. Today, our country, our global community, as I mentioned earlier, we're facing some troubling winds. These troubling winds are going to affect us to one extent to another. So let me encourage you, don't allow this experience to distract you from your goal. Can I encourage you now more than ever to stay resilient, stay focused, and stay determined and not allow yourself to get caught up in in, in the middle of these troubling winds to the extent that you become fearful, you begin to panic, and you sink. It's okay to acknowledge that troubling winds are abound, but don't get so consumed by them that they paralyze your progress. Folks, watch out for those winds. We've got a great show ahead. We'll be right back after the break. Your passion is your business, not the tech. Union handles all of this for you so you can focus on what you love. Give us 15 minutes and you'll get mobile ordering, loyalty, scheduling payment processing, and more at no cost to you. Take the Union Challenge for free and see how much more money you'll put in your pocket with our solution. Go to jointheunion.com to get started now. That's join the Y-O-U-N-I-O-N. Jointheunion.com. Considering a move but confused about the process of buying or selling a home? Well, you're not alone. I'm Lindy Chapman and moved a dozen times, including internationally, before a particularly challenging move to the Dallas area. This inspired me to get my real estate license and to build the 180 Relocation Group brokered by Real. Whether you are an individual looking to buy or sell or a company in need of employee relocation support, contact us at 180relocation.com. We understand the challenges and are here to remove the guesswork and provide the services you need when life requires a move. Are you a business owner who has legal issues or questions? Are you a business owner who does not want to hire an attorney because of the cost? My name is Joey Garza with the law firm of Grable, Martin & Fulton. I concentrate my practice on helping businesses solve their legal issues efficiently. I also help clients reduce their legal risk to avoid costly legal conflicts. My email is jgarza at grablemartin.com. My phone number is 817-602-5815. Joey Garza is responsible for this advertising, and my primary practice location is Dallas-Fort Worth. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Super excited about our featured guest spotlight today. I mentioned his name earlier, Jason Lynette, uh, just a superb individual who is a hypnotic influence expert, but Jason is a certified professional hypnotist, and he's also the award-winning author of the best-selling book, Work Smart Business, Lessons Learned from Hypnotizing 250,000 People and Building a Million-Dollar Brand. Not only is he one of the most sought-after speakers in this space, Hypnotic Influence for Business, but he's a dynamic speaker. Uh, he's got his own podcast. He's got his own course that he's offering. But we've got him on the show today to speak to Jason Lynette. Jason, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Jay, it's great to be here. Brother, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to help our audience understand this very important 
aspect of success in the business community. But before we do that, I'd like for you to take a few minutes to briefly share your story with our audience. Yeah, so my introduction, you can imagine there's very few people who uh, wake up one morning as a child and go, I want to be a hypnotist. Right. <laughs> Instead, it was something that someone came to my college and did one of the entertainment programs, and something about it just grabbed my attention, and I became ravenous to learn as much as I possibly could about the topic, which then led to a career of doing basically everything possible in my industry from motivational programs for schools originally to then seeing several thousands of clients at an office that used to be up in Virginia and still working with clients nowadays. But that's balanced out by the fact that something interesting happened when we lifted out the techniques of clinical hypnotherapy and found the appropriate places to plug them into the strategies of business, mm -hmm. which then led to this discovery that I would work with someone who, let's say, had a fear of public speaking, and by way of hypnotic technique and process, they would resolve the fear, but then that revealed another problem. They were still the deer in the headlights not knowing, not knowing what to say. They would go to write copy for their website, and it would be writer's block, the blank mm -hmm. screen of death. And the discovery was when we plug in the right influential strategies at the right time, what happens is you start to communicate in such a way that respectfully can now repel away the people who are not a fit for what you do, but also as well appropriately draw in and have that dream audience now selling themselves into our programs or services even before we make an offer. That's incredible. And one of the things I always know is people get involved in doing things that are maybe not the normal route, uh, uh, as in your case, they do it because they're inspired or they there's something that they want to impact in a specific industry or there's a, a, a wrong they want to right. In your case, what were the triggers that inspired you to dive into this world of hypnotic influence for business? That's a great question. I would say that one of the triggers was that a few years into my business, there was a bit of frustration from a positive standpoint that I was getting out there and I was making the business work. I was filling up my calendar. I was continuously finding the right moments to raise my rates and increase the value that I was providing. And looking around, it kind of revealed what was missing, mm -hmm. which this may be part of the superhero origin story. I grew up in a family where everybody was an entrepreneur. And they were by no means at all in an industry similar to what I do. But this whole philosophy, this whole theory that most small businesses fail, it's going to be slow your first year. I never grew up hearing that. Mm. So call it a positive sense of ignorance that I didn't mm -hmm. know the fear cycle that holds a lot of people back. So it's what I noticed, though, as I worked with my own clients, that when we started to sort of workshop their messaging, address how they gave their presentations and really – blueprint out the entire client acquisition journey from first contact, let's say, on a website to all the way to the end with the raving fan testimonial and show how to implement the right strategies at the right time so their words have specificity so that the words are now inspiring action. That's when I saw other people dropping the fears that were holding them back. You know, anyone who's in a coaching world would get up and talk about limiting beliefs and overcome your fears. And I found with these strategies, people were launching faster. People were scaling sooner. 
And it became this burning desire to go. Let's make sure people see that here's a way to get there and share the value of what they do. Now, one of the things that I've always uh, understood uh, about what you do is the ability to the to the degree that you can influence a buyer or a consumer um, will determine the degree of success you're going to have. And I often tell people that not knowing the power of influence, um, it's like going to war with one arm tied behind your back. It's it's very <laughs> difficult, right? To to and you may get a few swings in, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but in the long run, you're not winning that battle. Forget about the war, right? You've got to come fully armed, and, and my background is also in psychology and in, in, in behavioral science, so I, that's why I appreciate what you do. But how critical is this influence, this ability to influence? How critical is this influence for businesses to succeed? And and my second question is, what are they missing by not fully grasping this? So you shared the colorful metaphor of going into war with one arm tied behind the back, which is probably the sloppiest transition I can make to talk about with my wife last night, deciding <laughs> what we were going to have for dinner. Which, Go yeah, for it. Was deciding, <laughs> deciding what we were going to have for dinner, which the reason I bring this up, because it was just simply a message to say we were away last week and we're back in town as of two days ago. And, hey, here's what's in the freezer. Why don't we have that for dinner? And I share this extremely simple everyday scenario because it turns out we're always influencing. And let's throw in some of the more emotionally charged words in this category. We're always persuading. Mm -hmm. And let's level it up. We're always manipulating, even if it is, hey, we have a lot of this thing in the freezer. Let's have that. And it was not a major moment of our lives. It's only important now because I'm telling the story of it, to which she said, okay. And that was the end of it. So I bring that up because it turns out this is why it's so critical. We're always influencing. We're always persuading, even if it's as simple as what time are we going to meet, even if it's as simple as where are we going to meet up. So if that's the situation, recognize that every bit of communication in your business, like a magnet, has the potential to either influence people toward you or away from you. And there are some that are running businesses in spite of their own efforts uh, may have a natural tendency toward communication, and some of this comes a bit more organic to them. Yet for many people, like you said, they're just kind of swinging and hoping something happens. So from my premise, from my model of the world, if we're always going to be influencing, if we're always going to be persuading in every bit of communication, we might as well do it effectively, and let's throw in the ethics to this. We need to make sure we're doing it in a way that serves the potential buyer to prevent the situation of buyer's remorse or negative reviews. Let's do it in a way that now draws in the people who are a fit for what we do and really serves them. Now, okay. and, and by the way, you're, you're spot on, and, and it wasn't a sloppy transition. I think it was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good one. It was as good. We prepared it, the, as we prepared the frozen chicken cardin blue with one arm tied behind it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. In your observation, and you, you don't have to, obviously, just a roundabout number, because I think this is important for business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, solepreneurs, uh, CEOs. They need to understand this. Um, what percentage of businesses lost by not implementing influential hypnotic style techniques or or positive persuasion, as, as we're going to dive into next? I, I mean, how much business are they losing because they're not implementing this, in your observation? 
Well, yeah, and recognizing that 43% of statistics are made up on the spot. Uh, I would say that as we look at the, the unfortunate majority of small businesses will fail, and it's oftentimes the tenacity of the business owner to get in and really workshop something and really test the messaging and really see that this is how people respond to it. I, I would kind of go to that unfortunate majority um, and I don't have the figures in front of me right away in terms of the businesses that don't get out there and actually become sustainable. It's probably mostly because their offer is not clear to their audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was at a business event this last week, and a few of us got together for dinner. And there was this telling moment where no matter how much this gentleman talked, none of us had any idea exactly what he did. <laughs> and it was – if you can't explain it in a matter of a sentence or two, you know, what do I do? I teach a high ticket sales strategy based upon ethical influence to have your clients wanting more from you before you make the offer. And it's like, Oh, I get it. Even though I'm in this other category at the same dinner with someone who goes, I teach people how to find real estate investors. I'm like, I hate you because those are all words that everyone knows. (laughs) Mine requires a bit more explanation, yet it's that willingness to test it over time and see when I say it this way, people have the confused puppy dog look on their face. When I say it this way, they're nodding and going, oh, I get that. Yeah, I can see why that would actually help me out. So I'd put it towards that, whatever that statistic is of the small businesses that don't take off. It's because they didn't land their messaging and they could not convey it in a way that satisfied the emotional as well as logical tactical points of why someone should take action with them. You know, you, you said something brilliant about being able to have a, a clarity in your explanation where, where the mind can grasp a little bit more than these superficial uh, surface type words. And I've always, uh, I've been a big teacher and preacher for a long time now that what you say and how you say it matters and there is a fine line between shortchanging an answer and throwing up on someone <laughs> when, when you're trying to explain to another person what you do and the value of your business or or just who you are as a person um, so there's there's so much wisdom in there but I I want to dive into something that I know people oftentimes struggle with you know there are people who are either skeptical or they're fearful of anything that involves hypnosis so what can you share with these folks right now to help them clarify and understand and then hopefully clear the fear of what hypnosis is and it isn't and what it does and what it does not? Yeah, so two parts of that, and that's a great question, which this this is part of my mission. I'm in a world where oftentimes I have to convince people I'm not going to make them bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken to even begin the conversation, mm-hmm. um, which having many friends in the stage hypnosis world, none of us have ever seen someone do the bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken routine, so even the stereotype is – a stereotype. Uh, so the first part of it is, you know, this is not the world of me teaching business owners, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs how to formally do close your eyes and do a formal process of hypnosis with their potential buyers. No, because that'd be weird for most of the other businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of what I do. So I, you know, can appropriately get away with going. Let's do something to solidify the process. It's a quick process of hypnosis to let these new behaviors become even more automatic. So recognize that's not the outcome. I'm kind of peeling back the curtain 
and revealing the language patterns, the ethical influence principles, the strategies of how things can rapidly become normal to somebody. We either create change through repetition or intensity and showing the skill set that a decent hypnotist would already have, but showing how to lift that up and drop that into your business. So no, I'm not having you all tell your clients to say, close your eyes and let's begin. The other part of it that's more important though, is that I'm not asking you or this audience to have to believe in hypnosis for a funny reason. Belief is no longer part of the conversation. Here are the advances we have in neuroscience. Here are the research studies that validated. Here's where the hypnotic process is occurring within the brain. Here's the regions that are activating the most in terms of decision structure and how things are sorted between short-term and long-term memory. Mm-hmm. And a cool little resource that anybody should look for you know, nuggets to use in their own marketing, no matter your industry, would be scholar.google.com. And last I checked, if you type in the word hypnosis, you find more than 30,000 peer-reviewed studies that are pointing to the efficacy of how it works and what it works for and the data that backs that up. So I bring that up because that's where there's an actual very scientific foundation behind every bit of this. But again, it's that combo of the two that, you know, at the core of it, we define hypnosis as in training that new automatic behavior which this is what people are already doing that gets them into a problem cycle. Here you are as the expert in your industry. Here you are as the person who clearly can deliver the product or the service that you're promoting. And yet maybe there's a fear cycle there that's telling you you're not good enough, you're not ready, even though you have the resume, you have the background, you already perhaps have the customer case studies that prove it. And yet here's this voice that's telling you otherwise. So that little bit of a divide is where I get to say, congratulations, you're already doing hypnosis. Let me teach you how to use those powers for good, which is why, you know, even before we get into the languaging and the applications of these principles, it's got to begin with that personal development side of how we carry ourselves within our own emotional intelligence, how we calibrate to other people so that now we have the connection which then gives us the permission to start to use these mm-hmm. influence high-level principles. Brilliant. Brilliant answer. And by the way, that's a wonderful site. And if you could give that site one more time where it's... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, please. Scholar.google.com. And it's where I used to say, you know, in a newer business, start by leaning on the evidence and success of your, prof- of your profession. So you can plug in referral. You can plug in research as you know in a spot on your website over time then replace it with your own testimonials and case studies and nowadays i've kind of come around to going you know what you might as well do both one is satisfying the emotional buyer one is satisfying the logical buyer and now you're speaking to both parts of the brain jason i can let you go uh in our interview without a few more things you speak often about the secrets of ethical influence and positive persuasion. Just, just give me one of the secrets of ethical influence and positive persuasion. So I'll share the 30,000-foot view, and if we've got time, I've got a strategy that anyone out there can use, Okay. which would be what we're often doing in the sales process is working to shift the criteria upon which the person's already attempting to make the decision. So in a service-based business, it's easy to go, how many sessions, how much, how long will this take? And 
simply put, what else would you ask? Mm -hmm. And if you make use of this language pattern I'll briefly share, you immediately stand out as a person who's really serving to solve their problem as opposed to just providing a service. It's going to sound technical, and then I'll give an example, which will simplify it. It's not about X, though we are going to X. It's really about Y so that you can Z. And the shortest version of this story was a man who did um, credit counseling. He did credit repair for people who got into trouble with their credit card companies, missed a mortgage payment, and you can hire him, like many other people, to swoop in and talk to the banks and then sort that out for you. He discovered a problem. His clients kept coming back to him, which normally we would like repeat business, but in his situation, it meant they weren't learning their lesson. So his became, well, it's not just about repairing your credit, though we are going to repair your credit. It's really about changing your emotional mind decision with money so that you never need a service like mine again. And what that pattern delivered is it now changed the criteria where everybody else was selling a Band-Aid to fix a problem. Mm. He was looking to really educate them, and because of that, his rates were far higher than everyone else's, and he was then closing more business. Jason, that's a wonderful case study. I know you've got a ton of them on your website. You are full of gold, brother, and we're going to have you back again because we've just scratched the surface on what you are a genius at. Uh, but I can't – I need a 10 seconds. You've got a video influence system. Where can people go learn more about that? Really easy to track down, jasoninfluence.com. Go there. gives you on-demand access to a training for a strategy you can start using today in your business, jasoninfluence.com. And, guys, I've had a chance to go to the site. It's fantastic. Jason, appreciate being on the show, brother. Jay, thanks for having me on. Folks, we're going to be right back after the break. Hi there. This is Brishy. I'm a young entrepreneur who founded r Fashion at the age of 16. r currently sells a mixture of casual wear, such as our high-quality hoodies, to our sportswear, such as our tank tops. And the best bit is we ship internationally. I soon will be releasing the men's latest logo hoodie with a range of colors. RL can be found on our Instagram, which is rl underscore dot fashion. Alternately, our website is www.rlfashion.store. Are you having a hard time finding commercial funding? Is this challenge stalling your business goals and dreams? At JRF Financial, we specialize in getting your commercial funding and challenges resolved because we work with the largest SBA lender in the country. We work with over 33 different types of alternative lending and can fund anything from equipment to real estate. So don't let funding challenges stop you. Call JRF Financial at 844-484-6248 or visit us at jrffinancial.org. Do you find yourself feeling sluggish, stressed, foggy-brained, or need focus and clarity? MacArthur Accommodations can help you get on the right track to begin your healing today from the inside out. We specialize in helping you to reflect, recharge, and renew yourself one step at a time. Come join our immunity community at immunityforlife.net for free tips, discounts, upcoming workshops, and a list of our services. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I'm excited about our business spotlight today. In fact, it's not just a business spotlight. 
is one of our sponsor spotlights. In studio today, Tommy Sheehan is not only the CEO and founder of Union, um, but they are also our newest national sponsor. So, and uh, as it's always part of the case here, we're going to bring in our national sponsors to give them the sponsor spotlight so they can share their story. And quite frankly, guys, you know that I only bring on individuals or businesses or, or initiatives that are innovative, they're creative, they're bringing value to the marketplace. When I got a hold of Union and what Tommy Sheen is doing with his brand new app and what he's doing for the small business community, uh, I thought, man, this guy would be not only a fantastic individual to have on the show because you need to hear his story, but also to to really align myself with their vision and mission to bring their goodness to the community, to the small business community, and to the customer experience also who is looking to support the local businesses. So with that being said, Tommy Sheehan, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Great to have you. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Thanks, Jay, for having me. All right. Tommy, I want to dive into everything that Union is about. But before we do that, I want to have our listeners get up to speed with your story because you've got a pretty unique story. You're from Chicago, but you've done some pretty amazing things in the world of tech and app. And, and uh, that's something that really needs to be heard by our audience. So can you share that with us? Sure. So I, I was a kid at about 17 years old. I was recruited into Sun Microsystems. I was working on... on uh, Solaris, the operating system. And I went up to Redmond and worked on 9598 XP and NT. So my whole background is security and communication subsystems. Mm-hmm. I left there and I went to Johnson Controls up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I extended SCADA systems. And then I went into the world of VCs and, and startups. And I built lots of startup companies to do things like uh, cost per square foot assessments for data centers and to be able to securely protect our infrastructure after 9-11. After that, I went to into the fintech world, mm-hmm. where we were then securing banks and identities. Okay. After that, you know, I I had done well for myself, so I basically said it's uh, enough's enough, and I got out. Then mm-hmm. when I was retired, I was living down in Brazil, and uh, my mother got sick up in Chicago, so it was a race to go see her. Mm-hmm. I went up to check her out. About two or three days into being up there, my mother passed. And about six days after that, COVID hit. Mm. So imagine, right, being up in the south side of Chicago with, you know, six pieces of luggage. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been there since I was, you know, younger. Uh, and this is really an area where people work for a living. Right? right. It's the normal people. So after being up there for a couple of weeks, I had to figure out what are we going to do? I enrolled my kids in school. We got more inside with my family and friends in the local community, and we found out about a lot of things that were happening technically. Okay. And we decided to see if there was something we can do to help small businesses. And here we are today. Tommy, you went back to your roots in Chicago. Um, Before we dive into what inspired you, though, to to launch Union, because there were some things that you were seeing that you weren't happy about, and there's always a reason why someone gets inspired to do something, and we want to hear about that. But you you went back to your roots in Chicago, and you've got an interesting story about where you've come from and what what fuels your fire. And Share with our audience a little bit about that, if you could. Well, look, I mean, I I came from a place that you're not supposed to, uh, you you can never stay, Mm -hmm. right? So my mother's got 13 brothers and sisters. My father has eight brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, it's my favorite food. It's my favorite place. It's my favorite sport team. Well, you have to leave there. You have to go and do other things. So when you leave home and you have to go prove yourself, you know, you sort of have, you get really grindy and gritty. And it Mm -hmm. sort of drives you. 
Um, so I would say that inspiration for me comes from proving that, you know, I can do anything that anybody else can do. And that's kind of chip on my shoulder probably for the last 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that you and I share because when we had a chance to chat early on in the first meeting, you know, I grew up in, in Barrio in Spanish Harlem, right? Probably similar setting as yourself. And you know, when you grew up in that neighborhood and those type of, in that type of environment, you, you have something to prove, right? You want to get out of there, but you want to prove something that you can succeed regardless where you grow up. Right, because you feel like uh, you're being overlooked. Right. That's exactly right. And that's one of the things that I think is the reason why you and I immediately connected. But I, let, let's dive into Union because there's a story behind what inspired the launching of Union, and it had to do with frustration. So let, let's pick up from there. All right, so typically, so today business models are created to either be controlled by governments or banks. And, mm-hmm. and if you just think of it as a parent to a child, right? Uh, business owners are the ones who own the risks, um, and they pay marketplaces, and then marketplaces charge buyers and sellers. And that's really what the business models have all been out there. So whoever's sitting at the top wins, and whoever's sitting at the bottom loses. Okay. Um, when COVID hit, uh, what happened was all of these businesses had to shift because consumers had to buy things digitally, right? So if you go back to the neighborhood and you go, most people know where the best sandwich is. Most people know where the best clothing are. Most people know where the best plumber is because you know them. You just go out the house, you make a phone call, and, and you're there. Mm-hmm. When COVID hit, you, you actually weren't allowed to leave the house or you weren't allowed to go out without a mask, and you didn't know if the person was open or not. They weren't allowed to keep their offices open. All of these things made it very difficult for the best businesses to actually maintain con- connection with their customers. Right. Um, and that frustration of seeing how these companies weren't able to, they weren't able to do what they're always done. Right? It was taken from it. It, it just, it, it just to me was extremely unfair. I felt like it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably felt the part of me was the same at nine 11, which is like after nine 11, I think we all wanted to join the military in some way, shape or form. It was sort of that, right? right. Cause you felt like the people around you weren't given a fight and chance. That's right. And so we wanted to create a way to try to even the playing field. And, and so we looked at it, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the, the backing of union was to figure out how do you make an even playing field for the people who, who weren't always dependent on tech or who had never had to be dependent on tech because they'd already had successful businesses or knew how to turn $4 into five. Okay. So, I mean, that's, by, by, by if that's the problem, Right then, the problem is we have to understand they don't trust big tech, they don't understand the financial rules mm-hmm. that are out there. So we had to take the risk of that. So union was created to take the risk away from the business owner, teach them the appropriate ways of managing cash flow, and then allowing them to have digital solutions that not only service the consumer, but actually allowed them to manage their money. Um, and then with us owning the risk, we felt that that was a way for us to sort of align our goals mm-hmm. um, where we didn't, we don't make money unless they make money and we don't ask them for any money up front. We just tell them to take what we call the union challenge, which is, you know, if you use union it, with the way you're doing business, count the money mm-hmm. and whatever more, whatever makes you more money, that's what you do. Right. So that's sort of, you know, getting people not to believe the hype 
not to believe the, you know, all of the marketing and just believe what the, you know, the numbers, which all goes back to a neighborhood mentality. All, right. all of this really is about, you need to understand who, who can you trust? Who's your best customer? How do you make money and focus on doing that over and over and over again? With that. You, you mentioned something there about leveling the playing field. So for someone who's listening to the show who doesn't grasp that and they're a small business and they've never heard that phrase. What do you mean about leveling the playing field? Because you've played with the high, with the, the big companies. That's been your world. But how does a small business able to play with those big players? And, and, and exactly what does that mean to level the playing field? All right. Well, cur- currently today, small businesses don't have a level playing field. They actually have what's called a fixed price, right? You post your price and then you compete on price. So if you're using a marketplace or you have ad, any advertising, you fi- you find yourself constantly lowering your price and you're becoming more and more invisible by the internet. And now you have to pay companies to not be invisible mm-hmm. and you have to uh, continue to find suppliers or ways in which you can, you know, make up for that loss in price. Okay. Big companies have the ability to manipulate price. Big companies have the ability to manipulate finance. Big companies have the the ability to manipulate timing of funds. Unfortunately, small businesses have bills, right? Most small businesses are paying those bills directly. Uh, And when the landlord says, you know, the rent's due on the first, then the rent's due on the first. You can't pay it on the 18th. Right. Right. So... And if your supplier changes the price, you can't buy anymore, right? If you if you only can sell 500 T-shirts, you can't buy 5,000 T-shirts to get that deal, mm-hmm. right? Or have different distribution or or be able to take a bank loan at a lower percentage and use, you know, use the, the cost of money to your advantage. So, uh, you know, this is really about how do you aggregate, uh, how do you, how do you free up small businesses to be able to use price as a way to invest in loyal customers, mm-hmm. which is really the closest way that small businesses can actually have financial execution strategies. Right. So if you think of it really easy, right, you go local businesses survive because of loyal customers. Right. And if you can identify more locals to become loyal in which you can invest in your price to create more purchases you can actually make more money and allow your customers to spend spend more money with you, right? Get more items for spending less money but doing it more times, mm-hmm. which now means that it becomes a sustainable business model where both win. The owner and the consumer both win. Okay, um, That's exactly the kind of situation that would happen in, in an Amazon, except for you would never know who the buyer is and you never know who the seller is. That's yeah. how they do yeah. it. Yeah, I'm familiar with that myself. Right. As someone who's used Amazon, I'm absolutely familiar with that. Mm. Uh, you'll never know who your buyer is. Uh, so you have no way to build loyalty, build a, a, a common ground with that buyer. Is there a business, a small business, that Union would not be a fit for? Well, all right. So if, if you if you're not serving digital right now, or you're too small to service digital, we have a, a union starter kit for let's say zero to a thousand dollars a month. Our our wheelhouse is usually at a thousand dollars a month to let's say fifty thousand dollars a month. Okay, um, that's really where we're where we're geared. Um, if you're data driven and you already know everything you're doing, right? We're a free solution for businesses so right there's no cost right, right. so 
So bigger businesses already have their process. We become more of a uh, of a customer loyalty program for them. So, you know, at the lower level, so the answer to your question is, uh, it's all going to be in a percentage, right? We, maybe we solve five percent of 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 a si- one size business in an education. The other one might be twenty percent. We're never going to be a hundred percent of a solution for real big corporations. So. Um, we we're, we're our wheel spot is from let's say five million dollars and below. Okay, which is the majority, right? Yeah, it's actually right, and it's also the majority of our sole proprietors, right? What right. what you wanted to have was something that actually allowed people to do what they're good at, but not actually have to worry about tech. So in our last minute here, someone's listening, they're interested. What do they do next? They have a small business. And we're going to have you back two more times in the next following months so we can dive deeper into the merchant experience, dive deeper into the the, uh, customer experience, because there's a lot to unfold here. But in our last minute, the, the small business owner who's listening right now says, okay, I'm interested. Where do I go? What do I do next? How does it work? What do you tell them? Um, Okay, you would go to www.jointheunion.com. You would tell them if you are feeling lost or if you're feeling pain or if you're feeling like, you know, you need an advantage in the market. It would drive you through an educational process that would help you understand that. Okay. You would get uh, you would get a web application that would create a, a landing page for you that would allow you to, a way to learn. It would allow you a way to do fundraising and charity events and donations in your local community. And it would give you a virtual storefront that you would be able to post tangible and intangible services. Awesome. Um, you would then immediately be able to start gaining your customer lists because you have direct access to your data. And we would want you to introduce that to your loyalist customers and your best products for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, you'd get a report that would literally tell you how unions working for you and what recommendations would be happening. Um, and now you'd have the beginnings of, you know, a digital strategy without being in the dark. So I would tell people that almost every business should be doing that because it's really a, gives them a chance to assess how can digital work for them okay. without costing them anything. Um, and that's really what we're looking for. We're, we're just trying to get people to understand that if their customer's behavior has changed, you don't have to change your business and take all the risk. We're trying to do it with you. Well, Tom, and we appreciate you being on the show. There's a lot of content here, guys, and this is why I value quality guests who bring innovative ideas to the marketplace. Tommy Sheehan and Union is definitely doing that. We're going to have you back a few more times before the next uh, 90 days to continue to expand. In the meantime, guys, you can learn more about Union at my website, thejmamietalkshow.com. We're going to post up Tommy's information and Union's information so you can track them down there. And uh, that being said, Tommy, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. And just to be clear, it's going to be join the union, and that's union spelled Y-O-U-N-I-O-N, right? Absolutely. All right, guys. Pretty cool play on names. We'll be right back after the break. So you've built a successful business. Now what? Transform your successful business into a valuable business. That's where Dumont Capital Partners comes in. We've built a step-by-step process designed to drive up your business's value and give you back control over your time. Whether you want to sell for a premium or just know that you could, Dumont Capital Partners will give you the life and business you deserve. Contact us at valuebuilderus.com 
That's the valuebuilderus.com. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. ThriveSalesMastery.com. Tom Sheehan here. I founded Union out of anger after witnessing the mistreatment of local small businesses that had served my, for many years, my Chicago neighborhood before the pandemic. These great businesses had never needed tech and were forced to close their doors because they had no digital solutions to service their customers. Truth is, big tech promises returns with no solutions for small business owners. We created the union's digital platform to fill that void for small business. No promises, just results in more money in your pocket. It's so simple, you can be up and running in 15 minutes. We don't charge businesses a penny for a web store or a mobile app that allows you to serve your customers the way they want to buy from you on their phones. Your customers will pay less, business owners will make more, and the money stays local. For listeners of the show, we're offering a free business course to make it even easier to go digital. Get started now at jointheunion.com. That's join the y-o-u-n-i-o-n.com slash jmamie. Jointheunion.com slash jmamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now, we have a returning guest who is not only a our national sponsor, uh, Dumas Capital Partners and Jack Carney, uh, but he's also one of the individuals that was on our show prior who began to share valuable information on how to create your business to be more valuable for when the day you decide to sell. He's an expert in the field. That's why he's the managing director and co-founder of Dumas Capital Partners. Jack Carney is back with us again today. Jack, welcome back on the show. Thanks, Jay. It's great to be back again. Jack, we're going to continue the conversation that we started last month. And for those of those those of you that are listening to the show for the first time, you can hear Jack in our prior episode last month where he was introduced and he started this story, this wonderful developing story that was uh, powerful for business owners looking to figure out ways to become more valuable. But today we're going to pick up the conversation on 10 reasons for a business value. It's one thing to recognize I've got to increase my my business value, but then how do you get it evaluated, right? And, and, and what are the reasons to do that? And Jack's going to give us those 10 reasons why business valuation is important, and we're anticipating a great talk. Jack, let it rip. All righty. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate it. Well, one of the things that we have learned in the marketplace is that an awful lot of business owners don't actually know the value of their business, and yet it is actually the most valuable asset they have, and they're planning on using the sale of that business, and we do two kinds of valuations. One is a certified valuation, but that's very complicated and, quite frankly, very expensive. And you would only want to do a certified valuation if you were facing some form of litigation, a divorce, shareholder lawsuit, an IRS contest, or something like that. Otherwise, we do a much less complicated and clearly a much less expensive valuation that we call a business person's valuation. And we work with companies for many reasons. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the companies want to just understand their potential. Sometimes the owner or owners are doing some retirement planning. Some want to make sure that their 
that their business and their family are properly protected through insurance coverage. Some are working on a succession or, and or an exit plan. Some are actually looking to grow their business through valuation, through uh, acquisitions, and understanding how they're valued and how target companies will be valued is extremely important. Some either are thinking about selling their business, or maybe they've gotten a phone call from someone who says, I'd like to buy your business. Mm -hmm. Some are looking to create or improve buy-sell agreements with their business partners and making sure that the buy-sell agreements are properly funded. Others are looking to raise capital, and if you want to raise, for example, $2 million of capital, one of the things you'd want to know is, how much of my business am I going to give up in order to raise $2 million of, of capital? Well, you need to start with evaluation. Some are working on their trust or an estate plan, uh, and needless to say, some are working on planning for taxable events. When one sells their business, they have to give some of the proceeds to their silent partner, Uncle Sam. And so planning for that uh, well in advance of the sale of the business or gifting or grants uh, is an important thing to do. So those are, the, those are the primary 10 reasons we work with companies, again, on the business person's valuation. Now, Jack, we're going to dive into a couple of those reasons because I know that they need to be dissected. But one of the things I've heard you say is that 90% of business owners don't know their business value. So the question becomes, and you can elaborate on this, how can you grow the value of your business and optimize it without even knowing where you are today? Well, and our view of that, Jay, it's a great question, is you can't, okay? Just like you, if you're targeting growing your revenue, well, you'd want to know what is your revenue right now. If you wanted to grow your cash flow or your profitability, you would measure that against where you are right now in terms of profitability and cash flow. So, too, if you're looking to grow the value of your business for a variety of reasons, you should start with a valuation today. And in fact, when we work with clients on buying other companies, we work with companies on selling their business, we do debt restructuring of companies who have gotten in trouble with their senior lender. Mm. And as we worked on the last show, we work on the business processes of companies in order to improve their evaluation. We begin every single one of those engagements with evaluation because we think that's an essential starting point for a business owner. How soon... And uh, you can elaborate on this because I, I know, I guess for every business is a little bit different, but, but generally speaking, how soon should a business owner begin to value their business before they actually sell it? Um, and the, the back end of that question is how late is too late? <laughs> too, too, too late is after you've sold it. Um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but we work with, with business owners in a variety of stages um, in their business. Uh, for example, I mentioned buy-sell agreements. There are many businesses that are co-owned by partners right. uh, in the business, and they have a buy-sell agreement. I hope they have a buy-sell agreement uh, because if they don't, they, they need to consult with their attorney to put one in place. But that provides what's going to happen in the event of the death uh, or other departure of one or more of the business partners. Well, that's predicated on there being a valuation of the business uh, and the funding in order to fund the, uh, the liquidation of another owner's interest. So we work with a lot of companies who have no current plan to sell their business, 
but they're looking to make sure that their buy-sell agreements and, and the valuations associated with those are up to date. And so we do that all the time. Um, we have many referrals from financial advisors, wealth managers, because they're working with an estate plan or a financial plan for that client, and their single most valuable asset is their business, but they really don't know what it's worth. And so they come to us in part because we don't compete with financial advisors in any way. We do corporate finance work. We're not wealth managers or financial advisors. And we will do the valuation. We give that valuation back to the client and advise them to take it to their tax advisor. Because again, part of those proceeds get shared with Uncle Sam and it's only the net after tax proceeds you can invest or your financial advisor can invest on your behalf in order to fund your future, uh, your retirement, and perhaps some form of a, of a legacy. Uh, and so it's pretty critical. We have some clients who, after they work with us and we give them the valuation, uh, they have ambitions of retiring on uh, filet mignon and lobster. And when they, get the, they learn the net after-tax proceeds, they realize that their retirement is going to be beans and rice. <laughs> so... So, you know, there are there are ways to deal with that, you know, to improve the value of their business, particularly on a net after-tax basis, um, some of which are unattractive, like don't stop working until you're 90, uh, and others that are a lot more attractive, which is as, as we work with the value builder system and improving the value of companies is systematically going through your company and making it more appealing, more attractive to, uh, to a buyer. Jack. In many cases, we get we get companies. You know, just several weeks ago, I was referred a client by a CPA firm, and they had been approached by a prospective buyer who said, "I'd like to buy your business, uh, and this is what I think it's worth." And so they've come to me to get an answer: is what, what is my company actually worth? Uh, not that we're particularly anxious. We didn't solicit someone to come to us and, and bid on our business, but we'd really kind of like to know. So those are many of the circumstances, and it's essential that they have a thorough valuation of their business. Again, what we would refer to as the business person's valuation, but they don't need to spend a lot of money on a certified valuation. Jack, you've introduced something important in one of these top 10 reasons that we're, we're discussing. And, and brother, that is why having you back again next month is going to be so critical because there's so many areas here that we could continue to speak on today. Uh, but one of them I want to continue to talk about is this buy-sell uh, agreement with business partners. I would have to say someone who's been in the financial world and I've dealt with, with partnerships and business owners that are, that are co-business owners – Many of them do not have buy-sell agreements. They just don't. I mean, life insurance, nothing, zero. But you introduce something important because if that person, if one of those partners dies and they're not in agreement with what the business is worth, there could be some problems for the spouse or the children that are going to inherit or buy the other half. Isn't that true? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, you know, if you are in a partnership with someone, uh, who is not, for example, your spouse, but a, another business person, you really do need a buy-sell agreement. And our recommendation, my recommendation, is that you actually take the time and engage an attorney to do that. We see many clients, when we go in and we ask them to review their buy-sell agreement, if they have it, what they've done is they've downloaded three different documents from the Internet, kind of clues the paragraphs together that they like, so we really do advise people, get competent legal counsel. And once you've done that, okay, one of the things you have to do 
in anticipation of a triggering event is get evaluation of the business. Uh, and you then want to take that and see to what extent can you fund it. Well, Jack Carney, we appreciate your wisdom. There is so much we can continue to dive into. In fact, and we will next month. Well, folks, that's a wrap. Another fantastic show of Thrive Minded Content. We're going to catch you next week. Until then, keep thriving.